Today is Thursday, December 14th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A disturbing new survey about young people and the Holocaust. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Leave a rating, all that good stuff. And you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Right to myself, Trey, and Billy. We'll all check that out. And uh, get back to as many responses as we can. And it's Friday Junior episode of the podcast today. And Billy's out on assignment. And Trey Goins Phillips joins me. Trey, happy Friday Junior. What's up? Happy Friday Junior. We are coasting toward the end of the week. <laughs> you know, I feel like the the time between, I guess, Thanksgiving and Christmas is like, does it really count? Is anything actually <laughs> happening? It goes by quick. It's right. still. You, I've spent the last month eating, so yeah. <laughs> you know, we're all I just feel trying like I need to, to move. Be in a coma. Getting up and down the stairs is a success story <laughs> at this point. So, but we got a lot to get to on this Friday Junior edition of the podcast. And I mentioned at the top here, Trey, we got a stunning here survey on young Americans and the Holocaust. This is crazy. Yeah, it's wild, especially when you think about, too, the number of college campuses who, when the attack uh, against Israel by Hamas first broke out, the number of college students who were supporting Hamas, this survey kind of gives you a picture of perhaps why they have the views they have. Yeah, really does. We'll dive into that in a few minutes. Also, Joel Penton, founder and CEO of LifeWise Academy. This is a Christian organization serving kids. They're thanking an atheist activist group for a very interesting reason. We'll have that conversation coming up on the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Hunter Biden decided to risk being held in contempt and skipped a transcribed interview with the White House Oversight Committee, decided instead to hold a press conference where he portrayed himself as the victim in all this. The president's son had received a subpoena to be interviewed by this oversight committee at 9.30 a.m. yesterday. Instead, he started this surprise press conference a few minutes later. He said, for six years, I've been the target of unrelenting Trump attack machine. Where's Hunter? And they've been shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I'm here, said Biden. He's 53 years old. He said, let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business. And he went on to explain a few of the common accusations that are being thrown out there. And a former Facebook diversity program manager pleaded guilty to scamming Facebook out of more than $4 million. This is a scheme which the DEI expert faked business deals in exchange for kickbacks. And a troubling trend in dating, a study going viral online shows how couples are meeting and it's primarily online now while the other menu uh, venues like family, friends, work, school, those are all going downhill. Particularly troubling trend because another recent study confirmed married couples who met online are less satisfied with their marriages than partners who met in person. Those are just some of today's top headlines and you can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. Trey, we had a we kind of behind the scenes uh, amongst ourselves earlier had a conversation about this dating trend. It's very interesting. It's a troubling chart that's it came out a couple years ago this uh, a study about how couples are meeting and it the online aspect of it just going through the roof and in person uh, was going down. 
And then now you see this other survey that came out about how married couples who meet online are less satisfied. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know who's answering these surveys and going, yeah, this, this marriage thing just ain't working out. I'm going to go ahead and fill out this survey. So that whole thing <laughs> confuses me. But at the same time, it's um, I think it makes sense, right? The, it, this whole trend on online. Look, I'm just glad I grew up in the pre-online dating era. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm probably the only one of the three of us who's ever ventured into the world of online dating. Because yeah. how how many years have you been married, Dan? I got married in the year 2000, so the internet was barely 2000. a thing at that point. Oh yep. my, were yeah. dinosaurs still roaming? I'm no, just the, kidding. Yes, 2000. Yeah. That was not that long ago, but I know <laughs> years. There, the reason I make that joke is because there was somebody in my uh, small group who was a college student. Um, and we were talking about the game Spikeball, and she, I said, oh yeah, I remember my youth group playing that. And she said, is that game that old? Like, I'm only 31 years right. old. Right, yeah, not that old, yeah. <laughs> not that long ago. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, 2000 was not that long ago, but it is crazy to think how, how quickly the internet has kind of revolutionized the way we do everything in just a short amount of time. Um, so, yeah, having having been in the world of online dating, I think – it, it's kind of a necessary evil, I think, because there are so few places to meet people, it seems, but also it causes a lot of problems, I think, uh, because it's just like social media in that it, it incentivizes us to have really short attention spans uh, and you have to kind of turn yourself into a product and you're just swiping left to right, like, oh, based on these these three yeah. bullet points and their couple profile pictures, uh, I think she's, she's great and I want to go on a date with her or I decide immediately based on one of the things that she says uh, that could be very arbitrary and pretty shallow, like, I don't like that, so I'm going to swipe no you never actually get the chance to get to know a human being you're just uh, shopping for a product in a vending machine almost yeah. uh, and and you know if you don't make that pitch and successfully sell yourself within that 20 seconds uh, then you're kind of out of luck so yeah. it's unfortunate the way that it works and and i think too that's why a lot of the relationships don't last is because you you go out on a date with somebody that you didn't know at all and you had all of these these things that you made up in your mind based on such limited information. And then when it doesn't turn out to be true, it's like, well, I'm done with them. They, they weren't what I was expecting them to be rather than getting to know a real human being right. through your small group or in college or in your church or, or, or whatever. I, I still think face-to-face -face meeting uh, is, is definitely the better option. Right. Over the marketing material yes. draw up of right. somebody, right? Yeah. It's uh, understandably, yeah, look, I'm like I said, I'm just thankful I didn't have to grow up in that because it, it just sounds more difficult. Like, how do you, you know, you're like, 100%. You, treat it, you treat it like you're shopping for a car or something, right? Like, and um, it versus just me, I don't think it can compare. I always talk about just even online at all. Like, when I was in college and school, online stuff wasn't a thing. And so, when I saw people, like, I met my roommate at college for the first time when I got to college. Right now, it's like everybody would, you know, they, they get assigned somebody for their, um, roommate and then they're messaging online they can facetime or whatever and get to know somebody a little bit better and um, I think there's just a lot of in-person interactions that were forced when we when before all this technology stuff and so it's a whole new way yes. like you said of doing life like it's just completely different where a lot of time look I think a lot of walls and barriers are taken down online and so I think that leads to a lot of negative things but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not envious of the online dating scene. So, uh, it it does seem like a wild world out there, and um, 
uh, I would just encourage you to get out there and try to, if you're, if you're in that scene, I don't know, try to meet people in real life as best as you can, but try, I mean, you're, you know, you know it better than I do at being at the age you are. And it's just, I guess it's harder to do than it, than it seems. Well, I think it's harder to do partially because of online dating, because online dating exists. So I think uh, guys have gotten comfortable with asking a girl out via a message uh, right. on uh, on a social media platform or even on a dating app rather than just walking up to the girl in church that you've, that because you've it's noticed a few times that. because right. Even before that's, that's a terrifying prospect regardless, but it's supposed to be right. You're supposed to be putting yourself yeah. out there and you're supposed to be uh, uncomfortable and, you know, see what happens because you, you learn that you're going to, win some and you're certainly going to lose some. Uh, I know I've lost some too, but it's also, it's, uh, yeah, it's much better to get to know somebody that way yeah. and to, to put your neck out there and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm interested in talking to you, whatever, and you want to hang out. Yeah. I think that is a much better way of, of pursuing somebody because you get to know the actual person quicker yeah. uh, rather than getting to know a picture and, you know, three little bullet points. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, prayers up to all of you who are it's a crazy world. Um, trying out there, to find though. a partner out there and uh, <laughs> trying to do it amongst all this modern technology. Definitely, definitely a challenge. So but we're <laughs> going to move on, though, to the focus story now. And this also dealing with some young Americans and not so pleasant. A new survey with startling findings about the Holocaust and younger people. What what did this thing say? Yeah, you know, this is why I think a lot of people are also not dateable. (laughs) (laughs) At least 20% are not dateable. So anyway, according to this new survey from YouGov and The Economist magazine, uh, the survey found that 20% of 18 to 29-year-olds believe that the Holocaust obviously happened in World War II when 6 million Jewish people were murdered, uh, including 1 million of them, by the way, who were children, 20% 20% of 18 to 29 year olds believe all of that is a myth uh, that never happened. Mm. Uh, 77% of adults older than 29 uh, disagreed with that younger generation calling the Holocaust a myth. So there's a huge difference uh, in uh, in belief depending upon age. But it's just wild to me, Dan, to think that in this internet age that we were just talking about, when information is readily available at our fingertips, and of course there's a bunch of there's a bunch of non untrue stuff you can find on social media, but there's a ton of reputable information that we have at our fingertips, research, documented evidence of all the stuff that we that we can get within 20 seconds. Yeah, uh, and even still, 20% of 18 to 29 year olds who live on their phones. Um, believe that the Holocaust is completely made up, is not something that actually happened, which is just, yeah, that's terrifying to me to think uh, that that people would think that. The survey also asked respondents uh, if they agreed with other statements like Jews have too much power in America, people should boycott Israeli goods and products, Uh, Israel exploits Holocaust victimhood for its own purposes, Uh, all of these these other these other questions that are of course kind of skewed against the Israeli people, the Jewish people and the 18 to 29 year old age bracket often found themselves in the uh, anti-Israel category uh, on these issues and these questions. Yeah. I mean, really, really disturbing stuff and honestly not surprising given a lot of the propaganda we get in certain schools and public schools and certainly at universities, as we're seeing, like you said, on campus now with this, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel sentiment that's out there now in the wake of this terror attack on Israel. And 
uh, it's it's really troubling for sure. What else is the survey showing about these younger Americans and their views on Israel? Yeah, so the 18 to 29-year-old age group, they were asked specifically about the state of Israel as it currently exists, and they displayed a higher percentage uh, than any other group of believing that Israel is an, uh, an apartheid state and is deliberately trying to erase the Palestinian population which is insane to think, given that Hamas, uh, the the Palestinian powers that be, uh, they have literally, it, it's not like nobody's making the assumption. They've literally stated, we want Israel to be erased off, off of the map, right? From uh, from the, the, I can't remember the exact quote, but the chant that's often said at these pro-Hamas rallies, uh, from the river to the yeah. sea, uh, Palestine should be free. That means let, let's get rid of Israel. We want the land completely uh, from the river all the way to, to the border, to the coastal borderline. We want to be our land. So it's actually the exact opposite of what these 18 to 29 year olds believe it's Hamas and and a lot of these ill-intended ill-meaning Palestinians who want Israel erased uh, not Israel who wants uh, the Palestinians erased and in fact Israel provides a lot of the water to Gaza they provide resources to Gaza they've allowed Gaza to exist relatively peacefully even though Gazans have been occupying Israeli land for years so the Israeli people have been peaceful it's Hamas that's obviously been the violent group Right and and look let's let's make no let's make no mistake about this the reason a two state solution will not work is because as you said Trey one side has a stated goal of trying to wipe the other side out Israel absolutely right. has no problem they're like look they, that's they they got out of Gaza they said we don't want it you can have it it's I essentially mean, already been a two state solution right and then the one state's a failed state because it's run by a bunch of crazy terrorists who would rather right. spend their money on creating missiles and shooting them at Israel rather than trying to feed their own people. That's why it's not working. And then they turned around and blame it on Israel. And it's it's insane because history has shown when Israel has said, all right, well, here, we'll give you this. They're like, no, we want to kill you. And then they go to war and then they lose the war and Israel maintains the land and then they get mad about it. It's, it's really ridiculous uh, on its face, but yet this is the reality, unfortunately, that we're dealing with. Yeah, well, and so many college campuses uh, are not helping the issue because uh, they have a lot of professors there who are apparently uh, indoctrinating these kids to to be pro-Hamas, to be anti-Israel uh, in a lot of these campuses across the country. We talk, I don't know if they're still happening the way that they were uh, on January. I mean, on uh, October seventh when Hamas first attacked Israel. But you remember, like in the weeks right after that, or yeah. in the days right after that, Happy so quick, many college yeah. campuses at Ivy League schools around the country uh, were not supporting Israel or supporting the Jewish people. In fact, a lot of cities, New York City, London, they were saying the cities were releasing statements saying if you're Jewish, it's not really safe for you to go out into the into the town square because the city is literally even in the United States or over in Europe is not safe for you right now because of what of what may happen. Yeah, and look, I think it speaks to this whole thing it speaks to a bigger problem about People, like you said, believing ridiculous sources on the internet and believing crazy things on the internet and also having no trust in mainstream media because they, when you just don't believe anything that's coming from main sources, you then are now susceptible to go find the thing you want to believe. And people are believing crazy conspiracy theories. This was evidenced 
by shortly after the October 7th attacks, and there were some of these protests you're referring to, Trey, I saw some man on the street interviews and they said, well, what do you make about the October 7th attacks and these civilians that were killed? And they were saying, I don't think that they were killed. Now, Hamas was showing their soldiers videotaped themselves proudly doing this. So apparently these American protesters didn't get the memo that Hamas, I guess, wanted to show this horrible stuff that they were doing because they denied it. And it just showed they don't have a they didn't have a basic grasp of reality in that moment. And so it's it's a dangerous time as far as information goes when people can read anything on the Internet that is crazy and they'll believe it. And they also, at the same time, don't believe a lot of things coming from bigger sources. Yeah, like the fact that the Holocaust happened. Right. Like that, that's not something. Believe it. Right. Right. They're, they're I'm willing just not, to not I, believe I, it. Yeah. They'll they'll believe something based on a 20-second TikTok right. video. That's a, that's and, a problem. And they are willing, like they are willing to put themselves in harm's way. Or make uh, a TikTok to, video and embarrass themselves online. They're willing to do it yes. with virtually no information. And go yes. viral on this, like the people who saw Osama bin Laden's letter, and they were like, "Wow, you know, he's got a point." I mean, this is yeah. this is the level we're at now, and I would, you know, I would just encourage everybody to read beyond the headlines. Don't trust anybody. Look for the source information in an article. Do not just soak in a headline and call it a day. I think that's a big reason why we're in the information uh, ignorance era. That we're in right now, where people well, are yeah. ignorant of basic facts. I think we're we're uh, drowning in knowledge, and we are ha- experiencing a drought <laughs> yes. of wisdom. I, yeah, I think Ab- absolutely is very good, very good way to put it. All right, Trey, thanks for bringing that one to the podcast today. We're going to head on over to the main thing now, and Joel Penton is founder and CEO of LifeWise Academy. It's a Christian organization that's serving kids. And as I said at the top, they're they're thanking this atheist activist group for a super interesting reason. He also, he talks about that, and he also said he has evidence. uh, Faith in public schools helps children learn. This this is like faith at the public school, not faith in the public school, if you know what I mean there. So anyway, I digress. Billy's conversation with Joel Penton is today's main thing. So, Joel, there's a lot to get into here, but before we do, tell us a little bit about LifeWise. Yeah, well, thank you. LifeWise Academy provides Bible education to public school students during school hours, which to most people sounds crazy because of, you know, the whole separation of church and state and how the Bible has been removed from the public school day. But what very few people realize is that in 1952, the Supreme Court actually ruled that public school students can be released from school during school hours to receive religious instruction if the program is off school property, privately funded, and students have parental permission. This has been kind of under the radar for 70 years. A few years ago, uh, we were learned about this and started a, a program, LifeWise Academy, a model that any community across the country could implement. Started with just two schools in 2019, and today we're serving more than 340 schools across 15 states. That is incredible. And obviously, with all the issues going on in schools, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people who want to have this program in their community. I think your growth shows that. Now, recently, you caught the attention of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which is an atheist activist group. They took issue 
with LifeWise and actually sent a letter out to all of the schools in Ohio. T- tell us a little bit about what their issue was. Well, it's hard to it's hard to know exactly what their issue was. You can guess. I mean, they're an atheistic organization, and they they don't like that you know Christianity, and um, they have a kind of a vendetta, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, and so they did. They sent a letter out to um, every single superintendent in the state of Ohio, be in part because LifeWise is spreading so rapidly in Ohio. And the next year, we will be in a full quarter of the six hundred uh, school districts in the state of Ohio, but the letter didn't necessarily make a strong case for why schools shouldn't allow this type of thing. They just wanted to clarify, you don't have to do this, which I thought was kind of, I thought was kind of funny because they almost made a really great legal case for how it is legal. I mean, it, it's very legal. It's not controversial. And uh, they just wanted to make sure schools knew that uh, they, that they didn't have to. And we were asked to make a public comment about them sending this letter because we heard about it. And of course, we publicly thanked the Freedom From Religion Foundation for investing their time and money uh, to spread the word about LifeWise. Because what we find is that when people learn about it, they tend to get pretty excited. And the people that uh, don't like it are, is a very, very small minority. Well, and one thing that we should emphasize here is a lot of the kids and the families who are part of LifeWise, who in their school districts take part, they're not churchgoers, right? They're not actively involved in the faith. Is that accurate? Oh, that's very accurate. I mean, we've done uh, surveys and we know the stats that, you know, um, less than 20%, in fact, less than, uh, yeah, it's less than 20% of kids attend church regularly. And we will often have well over 50% of the entire student body enroll, sometimes 80 and even upwards of 90% of the whole student body. We, we have one school that has over a thousand students in the school and over 900 of them are enrolled in LifeWise Academy. And so the vast wow. majority are not part of a church. And so, yeah, I would say the Freedom From Religion Foundation realizes that there's a lot of kids that are currently outside the faith that are being brought in and receiving Bible education, which of course is a wonderful thing, and it's uh, it bothers them. It's interesting though, because Ohio, your attorney general there, Dave Yost, he actually came out and affirmed, and he didn't have to do this. He sent his own letter out to the school districts affirming the legality. Talk a little bit about your reaction to that letter. <laughs> well, it's hard to to be more excited about it than, I mean, it's just beautiful, right? Because this uh, out-of-state atheist activist organization sends a letter to all Ohio schools. And our attorney general, <laughs> I guess he just didn't appreciate it. So he sent his own letter uh, saying, hey, I've been notified that this out-of-state organization, he didn't use the word bullying. That's kind of how we uh, interpreted it. Like this outside group was kind of kind of bullying schools, you know, almost not they weren't threatening but they were you know lobbying ohio schools and our attorney general dave yo said just to clarify release time is entirely legal and one of my favorite lines from the letter was this is not new or controversial you know this is well established don't need to be concerned and in fact if the faith community and the school are working together this is a positive thing and so just kind of calming everyone and it was I have to say it was amazing. I compared it to a shot block, right? Like Freedom From Religion Foundation was taking this shot and our AG just kind of stuffed that thing. It's really great. (laughs) You know, one of the other things that you and I have talked about, when when LifeWise is in a community, in a school, 
there's an impact. And you recently put a study, you commissioned a study, an independent study to look at that impact. I, I really want to talk about that before we go, because it's important. Um, talk a little bit about the findings of that study. Yeah. So from the very beginning, the inception of LifeWise, the question has been, what is what are the practical, you know, visible outcomes of this education? And decades of research have shown that religious instruction in general has a positive impact. Grades increase, behavior improves, mental health improves, that type of thing. Uh, but we've been anxious to have enough data to show that that exact thing is happening with LifeWise. And now we have that data. We did commission a study and they compared the schools that implemented LifeWise over years to thousands of schools, similar schools across the country. And they find that uh, when LifeWise is implemented, attendance increases significantly. Kids are that much more interested in going to school that there's in fact a net increase in class time if LifeWise is implemented. So get this, even though we're pulling kids out of class to teach them the Bible and bringing them back, the kids, so many more kids come to school so much more regularly <laughs> that they actually get a net increase in class time and in-school suspension numbers drop and out-of-school sus suspension numbers drop as well. And so it's now it's a much easier case when we go to principals, even if they're not, and superintendents, even if they're not Christians, to say, hey, do you want your attendance to go up? Do you want uh, suspensions to go down? Uh, here's a program that doesn't cost you a penny. It engages the community and will have this impact. All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation there. And I had to chuckle because Billy recorded this one a few days ago when he was st still getting over his cold. And so his voice was clearly uh, what it was a few days ago. And I'm glad he's over that now. But uh, that's, that is why Billy sounded like he sounded. But nevertheless, a good interview, important topic, of course. So, all right, on this Friday Junior episode of the pod, we're going to have time for one last thing. We're going to look at 1 John 1, 8. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I think that's just a great reminder, one, of what truth is ultimately, which is Jesus, but also that uh, apart from Christ, we uh, we can't redeem ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, a reminder of not going about like you're better than other people. You know, we got to yeah. remember what infects us all. It's our sin, right? We all have the same problem it just manifests itself manifests itself in different ways and if we kind of make ourselves righteous we're the truth isn't in us because we're all fallen and in need of a savior all right that's going to be it for this friday junior edition of the pod lord willing and that creek don't rise on us we shall return tomorrow with more god bless we'll see you then <laughs>